and I was telling some a colleague of mine in, in the staff room, and he's this sort of older teacher who's really gruff and, and kind of awesome. Um, he looks a bit like Shrek. He's got one of those beautiful faces. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, he just threw a book at me. He's like, this is, I won't swear the way he did. He's like, this, is a, this, this book's about that nonsense that you've been doing. And that's sort of what set me along the road and sort of um, codified what we were doing a bit. Listening to the NZ PE Teacher Cast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing teachers and educators within New Zealand and around the world. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With online achievements and badges for completing key tasks, My Study Series ensures students are highly engaged and motivated to learn. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 25 of the NZPE TeacherCast. Today's episode features an exciting and passionate science teacher from Australia. Pete Woodseen is a flip learning and gamification guru that I first met at Flipcon NZ earlier in the year. His presentation there was one of the best I've seen for a long time. You'll definitely get a feel for Pete's enthusiasm and love for innovation in the classroom during the session and I really do encourage you to check out some of the links in the show notes to some great things that Pete is doing. And don't forget to check out the NZPE TeacherCast Facebook page and give it a like too. Pete, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your teaching background and experience and a few tidbits about your school and the students you teach? Yeah, no, that's not a drama. I um, I'm was a scientist before I was a teacher for a little while and it turned out I, I really I like people more than I like microscopes and so I sort of oh alright so what happened was I was there one day sort of a bit <laughs> unhappy with my career as a scientist um, and I saw I saw a school of rock you serious I was like yeah and I enrolled into a teaching degree the next day because I was like <laughs> I was like that looks like fun um, I'll give that a bash and that's exactly what happened so yeah that's that's how I started but I I, I, I teach science I teach high school science chemistry biology I haven't taught biology for a couple of years chemistry is what I really enjoy and I've been lucky that I can do that now um, but yeah so I teach I teach chemistry I was teaching in Sydney to start off with. Um, my wife and I, we got married just about the year before I started teaching. So teaching for nine years now. And, and we sort of, we're in our nice little house in Marrickville and which is in the, the center of Sydney. It's really nice. And I was teaching at a fairly rough state school out in Western Sydney and, and it was really fun. I loved it. But then we had a child and um, my parents got a bit sick. So we had to, leave Sydney and we sort of ended up out west now and so now we're rural New South Wales and yeah I teach at a big-ish uh, independent school private school it's yeah it's nice it's it's a sort of seen as the fancy school in town it's not really I thought it was I thought it was the fancy school when I first turned up but it turns out it's kids like anyone else and it's really nice they're sort of you know children who are fairly engaged and yeah i've got this note here and i've got this note in my um 
in my questions here. I when I was doing the research for the podcast episode, I so mm. I, I googled your name and I went looking for a few things and tried to get a bit of information. And seriously, every single picture I found of you, you look different. So you're a man of many faces. <laughs> Some you're shaved, others you've got an afro. And, and um, what, what's so? What's the deal with that? Um, I I am a lifelong metalhead, and so generally. <laughs> I've had long hair and a, a big beard my whole life. Um, well, not well, since I grow a beard, uh, but I've always had long hair. And then, yeah, I was about, oh no, my daughter was just under one and I crashed a motorbike. The truck had spilled a bunch of oil on the road and on the corner and I, I hit it. It was nice. I was, I, was, I was pulling through. I was like, yeah. And then I hit the dry patch and all of a sudden the bike flipped and I wasn't pulling through and I broke my collarbone and... Um, and I wow. yeah, broke broke some ribs, and that was the last time I got to have long hair. So after that, the, the hair goes between afros and and a bit longer. But a couple of a couple of months ago, my son decided he wanted a haircut, so he's like, he's like, all right, Dad, I'm not going unless you go with me. And apparently, this hipster haircut I've got now is the only haircut they give men. So <laughs> that's what I've got. <laughs> um, so yeah, but no, it's a. I do like to change it up a bit. It just sort of keeps the kids at work on their toes and really winds my wife up a little bit when the beard disappears. So <laughs> she doesn't like it too much. Good on you. I, I first met you at Flipcon NZ, which you made the trip over the ditch for. Um, and we'll talk about your fantastic presentation shortly. But first of all, what were your thoughts on the conference? Because, you know, it was, a, it was the first one we've had in New Zealand. And I, in my opinion, flip learning is, is really in its infancy in New Zealand. So um, what did you think of it? And maybe what was your best takeaway? Um, well, for me, it was, it was very much a beginner conference, which I, I thought was really good. I found most people who, who were there, because this is, as I said, this is my fifth year down that road. But most of the people there were very much entirely new like they were they hadn't tried at all so it had a real beginner vibe to it I get the feeling the next one won't I get the feeling the next one will be a bit more you know like it'll be aimed at people a bit further down the road trying to get people to come back I suppose but a lot of the a lot of the presentations were really good um, but I think my takeaway which is probably the same with most conferences I've ever been to was not really the presentations it was the where I think they really they're valuable is, is the people you get to meet and and have a chat to like a proper chat like not just sort of you know like it's you get to have good talk to people and it's really really fun I loved it so I think uh, Amy Shackleton um, who is not Amy Shattuck uh, but Amy Shackleton she's a, a a teacher from Melbourne and she was there as well and she sort of she articulated it the best I've heard and she's like this is my tribe. Everyone's doing different things, but we all come back to that key central thing. We've all got that one thing we're talking about. Most of us are the only teacher in our school doing it. Um, so with my with my school, what I didn't say earlier is we're 100 teachers and five years ago, I was the only teacher doing this. And now there's about 17, 18 of us, but that's still not heaps. And and when I go to something like FlipCon, I'm surrounded by people who've got similar experiences, you know, that they've had that struggle of being the lone person in their school. And, and it's a really nice thing. And so it was really, yes, yeah, so that finding my tribe is, I guess, the, 
Was that yours or mine? Was that, I, think I think that might have been mine. Yeah. I've got airplanes. I've got airplanes. You've got the, the boy races. Yeah, we had um we had the, the Bathurst one thousand yeah. down the road and the locals have been a bit bit crazy. Um but yeah, so I that was what my big takeaway is, is just meeting like so many people like yourself and Jeremy and Stephen the math teacher and I can't remember his last name because it was really it was, a, it was a long name. That's the one. Um, <laughs> but it was a really good thing to just get there and meet these people who I, I say, and there's your plans. Um, the, <laughs> I, I never would have met. Um, and I would have got to have that, that little, you know, sort of back and forth on Twitter. But I never would have got that, that chance to actually meet those people and feel connect, connected to them. So I think something like FlipCon, and it doesn't have to be FlipCon, it's any professional conference you can get to. You can find people who have a similar interest because we all, we work in these wonderful schools where we, we have all these people around us who are our friends and they support us. But there's always, when you're trying something new or a bit different, there's always that, yeah, it's just that you're separated out. You're automatically just by what you're doing. And it was good to have people who understand and similar experience. It was, what was crazy, you're right. Like it's a, it seems much newer there, but it looks like there's a lot less, at least of the teachers who were at, at Flipcon, there's a lot less of the teachers who are going to be doing it on their own. Like there was, yeah, there were a lot of people who'd sent like, five six people from a school so yeah it was i was really impressed but yeah getting that meet people that's my big takeaway I, I like your your discussion on tribe and um it's it's a term that i only came about when i started doing a lot of business related stuff and it's a term that's quite often used in there and you I, I haven't tended to hear it used in education in new zealand because we associate tribe with um maori culture and stuff like that but i think it's yep. a really good description of how um, people can unite on a for a common cause and really feed off one another and network and stuff like that. And you're right, and that's exactly what um, probably I took away best from from Flipcon mm. New Zealand as well. So um, that's really cool. In terms of the Kiwi flipped educators who presented, I mean, you've been in the game quite a while now. Do you think you had any feedback with kind of the way that just general feedback around how those Kiwi presenters, um, I guess. Uh, handled themselves in terms of their discussion and their understanding and the knowledge and stuff on flip learning. I, I do, but before I before I do that, I do want to say I'm an indigenous man, and um, tribe is a very loaded term over here as well. Okay. Uh, so um, yeah, I probably yeah, I guess that maybe that's not the ideal word, um, but yes, I it's not one that we would use over here. In fact, we tend to not use it with our indigenous people at all because we are nations and not tribes. But yes, so that's probably why I didn't think of that. So, sorry. Uh, no, the the conference, the presenters there were fantastic. Um, Jeremy Cummings, he's, he did an excellent presentation that sort of hit right where I was at. In fact, that's that's the one that really hit where I was at because oh. he is, yeah, well, he was talking about leadership and um, bringing people along and, and trying that sort of, school-wide so at my school i run a um an, an action research group on flip learning so and that's that's our 17 teachers and we're we're building that up and we're we've now all got like research projects that we're trying to actually be a bit objective on we know it works now but how does it work and why is it working in certain areas so his was really good like i got a lot out of his on how to um how to bring people along and how to set up the the system in a set it up in a whole system way, which was quite nice. Um, Sharon Henry, who 
she does. I, I actually first met her at FlipCon Adelaide, but I went I went along and I didn't I didn't see one of her presentations, but I did the primary school panel with her, which is weird because I'm not a primary school teacher, um, but but I've I've done a bit of work with the primary school teachers or one or two of them last well, she's, year she's not primary school either she's not primary school either that's right she's not either is she no, I used to work with her <laughs> I don't know what we were doing uh, but I, I had a my, my wife's a primary school teacher and um, so I've got oh, a bit of yeah yeah sure <laughs> so, as, I tell you what man I would not be a primary school teacher for you couldn't pay me enough like the the amount of work they have it is yeah. just insane but yeah but hearing her talk like she had a lot of creative solves to problems that I've also been having which have been because we're a rural school so um, we're not a poor school and our families aren't poor families by any stretch but where we are we've got kids on farms who just don't have the internet mm. like they can't even get mobile phone reception where they're at to get to use data that way so she had some interesting solves there and like with access issues and stuff like that so it was so those two in particular were really good. Um, I think, but for me mostly, it was actually just seeing the, because again, it was all, a lot of it was very aimed at beginners. and yep. um, But yeah, it was really good seeing, just getting to meet people. Hey, you've got, a, you've got a fantastic story about how or why you started flipping. Could you share that story with us? Yeah, it's, it's a similar, I guess it's a similar story to a lot of people, but mine was... I had a I had a student and she was really sick and that it was that sort of sick where she's she's off and she's off for a while and she's probably you know like it was it was a a glandular fever kind of issue um, and that which then turned into chronic fatigue so she was off for like a month at a time so one of the things we were doing is we were, I was like all right sweet I'll start off with not making my own videos. I was, I just, I'd find we're doing this in class and she was really keen. Like she was this little really sweet year eight or nine kid, year nine. And so, you know, she was like, she was struggling. She's like, oh, I really want, I really want to do something. Can you, can you send me some stuff home? And I was like, well, I know, you know, seeing there reading this stuff is probably not to her strengths. So I was like, here you go. Uh, I set up a, a WordPress blog and I was like, here's tonight's video, send her an email, and then, you know, watch this, answer these questions, or write a bit about this, and then the next day, answer these questions, write about this, watch this video, that sort of stuff, send me your things in, I'll give you some feedback, and uh, we sort of kept that up. And then um, I found out she sort of got a bit out of out of sync with the rest of the class, so I came into one class, and, and I was like, all right, kids, we're going to do this today, bang, here we go, look on the board, I think it was about cholera, cholera is what sticks in my eyes, a disease topic. And I started and, and this kid's like, oh, I know that, so I know all about cholera. And he was like, it's this and this and this. And one of the kids, other kids in the other room was like, no, it's not that, it's this. And I was like, well, what are we doing? How do you guys have any idea what you're talking about? And it turned out that they'd been watching the videos. <laughs> and so once, but once I had that, it was, we were all good, right? Like, uh, okay, well, I'm going to send this video home for student A tomorrow so you guys will watch that and we'll, you know, off we go. And then, and it just, it just sort of with this one class, it sort of t- took over, became the way we were doing it. And I was telling, um, some, a colleague of mine in, in the staff room, and he's this sort of older teacher who's really gruff and, and kind of awesome. Um, he looks a bit like Shrek. He's got one of those beautiful faces. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, he just threw a book at me. 
He's like, this is, I won't swear the way he did. He's like, this is, a, this, this book's about that nonsense that you've been doing. And it was the, the first Bergman Sam's book that I think his daughter had bought for him. Um, like this guy's been teaching for a long time. He started teaching the day, the week, sorry, the week I was born. So wow. he's been teaching for 30, oh, 35 years, not 34. Um, anyway, so that was, you know, but he was like, kids, I don't care. And he threw this book at me and it was, and that's sort of what set me along the road and sort of um, codified what we were doing a bit. You know, we figured what, what was good for this kid was good for everyone. And yeah. I love how, and so from the few people that I know that flip and flip really well, and, and for myself, it, flipping has come about, uh, and I don't want to say uh, for a, a selfish reason, but it's been about the teacher and it's been about how for, see for, for my example I, I was bored and I was stale and this kind of reinvigorated me this flipped approach but for you it's like purely about the student and I think that's awesome like so you found a solution that was going to help this one particular student it was never about making it easier for you in fact it probably made it harder for you and increase your workload <laughs> and I think that's really yeah. cool and it just it just shows the power that flip learning has and and a variety of scenarios whether it's you know whether it is helping the teacher or whether it's very much student focused which um, I know we all know um, the benefits of it but it's just so powerful hearing that story and when I read it I you know I had to get you to explain it to me well I am the endless warrior for student um, support but that's not really true Um, a big part of it is that I enjoyed it you know like like don't get me wrong I can I can tell a story I can particularly in person I'm really good with a crowd and I can you know, if I've got a bunch of 14 year olds, I can, I can really get them excited about how, you know, the atoms in them, you know, they come from the earth, which then came from a sun, which then came from another star and they could all trace back and I can do all that sort of stuff. And I, I'm pretty good at it. And, but I'd been doing it at that stage for, for five years. And I kind of realized I'd gotten, I'd gotten good enough at it that I didn't have to think about it. And that I hadn't quite realized how much I was relying on that. So once, so once I started making these videos for the, and every kid was watching it, I was like, well, they don't really need me to tell them the fun story anymore. And that's, that made me sad a little bit to start off with because I enjoy that, but it, it meant that they could take over. So yeah, it was still about them, but there was this part that it, it did, it reinvigorated what I was doing and it made me feel like I was able to do all those fun creative things in the classroom that we always like when we do our teacher training they're like you can do this pedagogy this pedagogy this pedagogy but you get there and you're so bogged down in content that you don't have the, the time for it so yeah it's um it sounds very altruistic and it, it kind of was but at the same time I wouldn't have I don't think I would have kept it up the way I did if it wasn't partly for me like I really enjoyed it and yeah I think the next year I, I did it for one class for about six months and then not even maybe four months and then by the end of that year I was flipping all five classes um don't do that don't don't not straight away it's really hard um it it was good though but as you said it's it's more work and it is more work if if someone's going to get into this know that there may be a long-term payoff where it gets a bit easier I don't see that because you know then you go oh actually I want to do this other new stuff and I want to try this and you keep building but it, it is more work it's not a it's not a less work thing no and I 
my first few years flipping, it was all about the content creation. And I've since yep. come to understand that that's the very last thing that you should be considering. And the strength and the power of the flipped classroom comes with that repurposed classroom time and being able to take that time you gain from removing the direct instruction or a, or a bit of the direct instruction to have just much more meaningful and authentic experiences for your students. And when you start toying with the content creation and then you throw on this the planning component for these repurposed classroom lessons it's it's a huge investment um, and that's what I've advocated for for so long and teachers always come back to that sticky point of oh yeah but I don't have the skills to build the content and blah 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 but you don't need to do that you can curate stuff you can um, reuse stuff repurpose stuff and but just focus on what you're going to do in that repurposed classroom time is what I try to get them to understand Absolutely. I think I, I have a real problem with that. Like there's, and that is a constant discussion point in, in my staff rooms. Um, I've got, there's one, the two sides of it. One is the, I don't have time to do X. I don't have time to do this and this and this. I'm just keeping up with all the demands on a teacher and they keep throwing new things at me every year. I don't have time to do that. I kind of understand that. It's, um, and that, that's whatever, that makes sense. But when it's the, Oh, I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to make content or I don't know how to run a website. That's the one that really gets to me. It's a sort of, we're in this job where our whole time we're seeing they're going, no, you gotta be a lifelong learner. You gotta be a lifelong learner. Come on kids. You don't get to say you're not a maths person, but I'm going to sit here and say in the staff room that I'm not a tech person or I'm not a, I, that one really grates on me. Like I'm not even one of these people who thinks like um, teachers need to, follow the same rules as kids like in my school kids aren't allowed to bring um they're not meant to bring drinks that aren't water into their class but be stuffed if i'm not walking into every class with a cup of coffee and i don't care like um yeah that one it it does it gets to me a bit and and i hear it more than i'd like yeah your Flipcon presentation was was easily the one that I found most enjoyable of the of the two days at Flipcon NZ. And as you've alluded to, you you're a really good speaker, and I think the listeners are gonna have already figured that out for themselves. But in, in the session that I went to, you described your experiences with gamification. So my two big things are flip learning and gamification. Can you sure. give us can you give us your definition of gamification and how you implement it within your classes? Uh, yeah, firstly, thank you for the very kind words. I do appreciate it. Um, I am a completely internally self-validated person, but I do, I do like the the validation externally either way. Um, for me, I this I had a Twitter discussion with a couple of people today about it. I don't know if you have seen it um, about gamification, and I so gamification. My understanding of it and my usage of it is that it is the use of game mechanics in the classroom. Now, there is also game-based learning. And I think game-based learning falls under or can fall under, if it's done well, the umbrella of gamification. But game-based learning is something which can also be really terrible. So it, games like Math Blaster, like, have you ever played that? Like, Yeah. It's... um. Yeah, so games like Math Blaster where they're nothing but um, chocolate-covered broccoli. That's not my phrase. That's someone else's, but 
is genius and it matches it perfectly. The kids go, oh, I'm playing a space game. I'm going to blow stuff up. Oh, hang on. I've just got to go, uh, what's 7 plus 18? Okay, 25. Boom. Cool. Now I've got bullets to blow that up. Bang. Oh, yay. And like they, they do that for about five seconds and they're like, oh, this is really crap um, because it's boring and it's just <laughs> a... You've tricked them and they under... The like, kids are... Particularly kids who play games, they're smarter than that. Like They're like, what are you doing to me? I know what this is. So for me, gamification is the use of game mechanics. And that can be something really simple. So my daughter uh, and my son now, they go to a primary school where they have a reader, like a little, you know, a book aimed at a five-year-old and or an eight-year-old, whatever it is. And they, they take that book home, they read it to, to us, and we sign it in there their little thing and every time they've read 25 books they get a little reward it's the exact same thing as your coffee card right Mm. Um, when you go to the cafe that's gamification that's gamification at its simplest level and it's gamification at a level which I think long term is unsustainable because it's purely about that extrinsic reward but that's gamification that's a game mechanic applied to whatever situation one place that does this better than no one place that does this more openly than schools does or do is business industry and you, you've seen this so we've talked about this so um you know companies are really good at gamification whereas schools are just starting to take it on and build a curriculum style i think with gamification yeah you've got game mechanics into the classroom but you've got to the way we look at it is it needs to be a more immersive experience otherwise it's nothing but a add on to it and that's fine in itself by the way as a way to start and get dip your toes in the water that's completely cool but yeah it needs to be for it for it to be your pedagogy that things are built around it's you've got to apply more than just that one game mechanic it's sort of build the whole thing and that's when the story comes into it or um experience points and and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's it for me yeah yeah no it's um yeah sure dip dip your toes in and and experience simple badges and leaderboards and stuff like that but yeah you're right to to really make the most out of out of this you need to be considering um a a lot of those deeper and richer game mechanics like narrative and, and how that's explored and used in class and um and 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 those other ones leaderboards and stuff like that are, are really good but um you're right I, I like what you said about not being sustainable because at the end of the day they really are just some of those external rewards and um, mm. I, I know a few educators who just despise external rewards because it doesn't really teach anything um, and it's about looking at some of those white hat game mechanics that are all about um, internal motivation and internal drive and if we can pull out some of those really well and install them within our classrooms then you're going to see a much better payoff um, the deeper Absolutely. you go really and I think and, and I like what you said about uh, the game based learning too being different to gamification but still can fit under that umbrella particularly if you're using a game that has that really strong narrative um, narrative is my favourite one to use and we do it really well at our school um, and we, we build it we build narrative from the second our kids walk in the door and that continues on every year and we continue building that and we can use that to um, I guess draw the kids in and have them um, relate well to other students and we have this culture of brotherhood and that's all 
it all comes together through this these kind of application of gamification within all different facets of learning for them um and it's really cool and i think you're right, it's it, it is big in business and it is in its infancy in, in education um but the more we have people like yourself and and myself just kind of pushing some of these ideas and these concepts and um it, it's gonna take hold a little bit stronger and we can maybe see some of some of that payoff um oh, but for sure what do you oh, think sorry, of, can go, I just one thing go, go. um for me i i think the the one you said it sort of that narrative is key and i actually think when it comes to that building an internal thing with narrative and i come from a a long long history of of tabletop rpgs but it's it's character nice building a character like and a sustainable character that they've like my year 12s have just left and like they, they do their hsc which is our end of school exams in a month or so um and I really miss that class. Oh, that was so good. But um, they they had these characters that they've had for two years, and they're really quite hooked into them. Like it's sort of yeah, it's like an avatar. So yeah, yeah it's, I think it's their digital yeah. representation of themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I um yeah, that's I mean that's awesome and we're going to talk a little bit about classcraft soon which you which you use um yes yeah really well do you think we still suffer from this negative mindset around the stereotypical gamer though and and video games are bad and nerdy 14 year old boys play video games and get them out of the classroom do you think we still suffer from that uh, uh yes um i i'm laughing because it, it seemed to have really in my school in my experience it seems to have gone back to that <laughs> I because I mean I grew up in like the 90s and the late 80s playing Dungeons and Dragons right with it was right when the satanic panic and, and uh, you know, heavy metal was causing <laughs> like, that, was, that was a thing and it was never a thing in my house like my dad was always like that's dumb don't be stupid but like, like there was a thing right like so I, I told teachers at school we were doing this and they got you know they got all upset about it <laughs> so but now and I think it went through a period there where gaming was kind of cool but it's it's definitely gone back and it could be that as a 35 year old male I am maybe the third youngest male staff member at my school wow at least academic staff um the the women at our school They've, they've got a big range and it actually they've got a range whereas most of us tend to get like the next one next yeah like it's 40s and 50s uh, the males in my school and, and the women you know it's roughly the same except we've got some more young ones so we have I, I get that a bit and I, I see kids get that a bit um, you know they'll sort of you know, we'll talk about this gamification um Classcraft and, and our Dungeons and Dragons style classroom to, to a lot of the teachers and they just can't wrap their brains around it. It just seems to melt them a little bit. And then they get to the point where they're like, well, you know, we've got a lot of curriculum to get to. We can't be sitting there playing games with the kids. And, and how does this relate to that? I'm like, it's not what we're doing. And yeah, so there is a bit of that. And, and I mean, when I'm 35 and I'm still sometimes seen as the, as the new kid, with dumb ideas um, <laughs> so I don't know but it's yeah so there's a bit of that but not with the kids I what blew my mind was because again I grew up in the 90s 
And if you were playing video games and stuff then, or, or Dungeons & Dragons or whatever, it was not... Um, it was not a big deal, like, as long as you were hanging out with the guys. The second you were hanging out with your friend, and most of my friends at school were girls, but the second I was hanging out with the girls, like, they weren't into it at all. Like, this was, that's, that's stupid, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're a half-orc? That makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but, but now, the second I brought this up in any of my classes, I would say my biggest buy-in comes from the girls, because it's a little bit outside of their experience, but not a lot, like... They all play games. They all run around with an iPad or a phone. They're all at the very least casual gamers. And I think that's broken down that stereotype a lot. Um, that the sort of casual games on the on the handheld devices. So yep. that's the most teacher thing I've ever said, handheld devices. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like it's really... I, so yes, I think that negative stereotype is still there, alive and strong with grown-ups. I think with the kids, um, it's probably better than it's ever been. Like the kids are really, they're, they're all into it. They're like, not a drama. Let's go. But yeah, they're still, because we've got, oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, I won't lose my job for this probably. It doesn't matter. They're not listening. Um, so our school has iPads, right? And whatever you think of iPads for schools, if the kids are playing games on the iPad, that's on you. Like <laughs> that kid's 14. If he's gonna sit, if he's bored, he's obviously gonna sit there and play a game on his iPad. And if he's, I don't know, if the activity, if the Clash of Clans, or if your class is not more interesting than Clash and Clash of Clans, that's on you. And I think because of that, like we still have this really in my school at least, this very negative approach to games because that's what ruins their education, maybe. But I don't think it is. Yeah, I this the casual games have been fantastic for for gaming. Um, I, I, you know, funny story. I've actually, I was considering selling my PS4. I'm a diehard console gamer, and yep, you know, I've travelled the world competing, playing video games. But I just can't bring <sighs> myself to start up and and sit down and play a game for three hours anymore. I'd much rather sit and play Clash of Clans for thirty minutes, twenty minutes, fifteen minutes, and then turn it off and not think about it. I just, you know, you have kids, you have your other priorities, and unfortunately for me gaming has kind of dropped dropped off but the casual games is i think it's massive and people always every gamification presentation i do i say okay what's the split male female what are the percentages and everybody i I haven't had one group say 40 40 46 54 ish they always say 80 20 90 10 and they're blown away by this that it's really coming it's come around and and it's it's like 50 50 they just they don't get it and it's because of those casual games and i think it's awesome and it's awesome to see chicks gaming it's awesome to see them exploring and you see a lot of girls picking up coding and stuff like that and it's um it's fantastic we need more people doing that sort of thing well absolutely so my daughter's eight and she's not super into video games um but she's a writer and, and she loves the idea of writing stuff. So, you know, like last whole, well, this holiday's just gone and she had a couple of sick days in the, the last week or two. So I was like, oh, well, we're at home, we're bored. I loaded her up a, a course on code.org, right? And the second she could see, she saw that she could write a video game and, and within an hour, well, not an hour, but within like a day, she'd made a little video game. And the second she realized that she could turn her writing into this other format, 
she was like a, so now she's like I dig my coding and she wants to do that as much as she can and that's it right so it's just a sort of these games are this other entryway into for her it's an extra mode of expression and I struggle when we you know because I'll mention it to, to the teachers I work with and a lot of them will say uh, what about the girls I'm like what do you mean what about the girls like they're right into it like they're still you know there's, there's still it's still science they're still you know doing this and that but they actually they like the add-on stuff um, and for some of them because they're girls they're they've not been exposed culturally to this the way the boys have so the boys are right into it whereas the girls it's still it's new and they're like yeah let's try this um, so no I, I, I dig that for me I, I don't get rid of your PlayStation man don't do that uh, <laughs> I mean I'm an Xbox guy but I I've, I've got my hockey game on there and that's the one now that my kids are finally at that age that I can so I don't have three hours to play but I can sit down and I can play a 12 minute hockey game and then I can get back to work. So, yeah. Yeah. don't ever do it. So, tell us, tell us, um, tell us about Classcraft. You know, describe the platform for our listeners and, and describe how you use it with your students. Yeah. So, Classcraft for us is um, it's not our main interface with the gamification stuff, but it is absolutely the kids' interface. So, Classcraft is a platform where the students get a character and it's a little avatar. It's really good for putting the kids into groups. So you, know, you can have a, well, we'll use the right, we'll use the right terminology. You can put your kids into a party um, and Classcraft is, it gives you a healer, a mage and a warrior. Now, what blew me away is Lord of the Rings used to be for nerds, right? It was something that nerds had read and the nerds loved it and we held it dear and yeah, it was really for us. But now every kid's seen Lord of the Rings. So I didn't even have to explain these concepts to people. I really thought I would. But this whole idea of a party that goes on a quest, it's all, they, they get it already. So it's kind of, the kids understand it. So you've got a party, um, it's, a digital, it's a digital avatar and each, so you put them in a group. So you go, all right, I've got a group of three or a group of four. I'll have two warriors, a healer, and a mage. And they get their digital avatar, and each avatar has a different set of skills, for example. Uh, well, hang on. And what you do with that is you can give them experience points, which means they've done a task, so you give them points. The more tasks they do, they level up. And as they level up, they get certain powers. Um, the powers can be things like um, protection, or they can hand in an assignment a day late, or flipped homework, that sort of stuff. Um, so when they're and so just, the just, sorry, just to interrupt sorry, for a second yeah. here just for and for all the listeners too all of those features that you've just explained they're all these are all game mechanics that um, are within the game that you can pull out and use with your classes in, in, in different ways but um, so the things like um, what were some of the ones you just listed the quest for example that's a game mechanic yeah. and the XP the, the experience points that's that's a game mechanic and all these it's game, game mechanics mechanic. so just, just um, for our listeners' sake. Sorry. No, no, that's right. Yeah, sorry. No, you're right. I was, I was rambling a bit there. Um, so I'll, I'll focus. I'll, I'll tunnel in. Okay. So first off, <laughs> so first off, you get, um, you get experience points, hit points, and gold. Okay. Gold allows them to buy stuff within the game. The experience points is every time they do an activity or whatever, you give them experience points, and the experience points 
are a very like we talk about explicit learning a lot this gives them a really clear roadmap of how much work they've done and there's no there's no fudging it like they can see very clearly what they've done and that's perfect um, the health points or hit points um, that's your classroom management so the hit points for us like we sort of you can toggle the settings a little bit um, and so we set it so that it's a bit more neutralized you know it starts off with your warrior's got more hit points than your healer but the way that works is if your healer does something wrong something against the rules you you punish them and you punish them by you set what the damage will be or whatever and you damage their character and if so that's like a warning system a really visible clear warning system that they are outside of the school the class rules or the school rules and they need to get back in so you know they get hammered a little bit they they've got a warning about their behavior they come back in if they don't eventually their character will die but you've got a healer who can give you hit points back if they've got enough sort of um magics left up um your mage can transfer the damage to another group which i kind of like um so there's a bit of that and your warrior he can protect everyone he can take the hit, he's got more hits than more hit points than everyone else and he can take the damage for the entire team so you know the, there's that so those are your three core game mechanics there and when they die it's really fun um you can there's a bit of randomness involved so you can set whatever the punishments are you know you can for us we work within our school learning man our school uh, behavior management system so we've got like a detention which is rubbish but it's what we have to do but instead of just giving you detention every time we've got you can hang out with mr whiting and mr caddison at lunch or you can clean the lab because we're science teachers they they don't love they don't love the hanging out with us because we make them sit in my office with us and actually we we talk to them about their weekend and stuff like that it's really awkward and fun and the fourth option is nothing like they just there's a one out of four chance they'll get away with it and sometimes that happens and it's pretty good actually we quite like that because we don't like to punish the kids too much we enjoy them but yeah it's a it's just a way for them to track their progress and it, it sounds super nerdy but the kids really get into it i think the best way to get the experience of that one is to just sort of log in and have a bit of a play with a test class i think so and the, the platform is is fantastic um I, I do fear that all of our listeners the second you mention mage healer and warrior um close the podcast episode because <laughs> you're a PE teacher podcast <laughs> but no I, I've had a look and I'm, I'm going to get it going with one of my classes next year probably um, and but I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a gamer I love I love that sort of thing and it, and it looks yeah. amazing and especially the, the more you and unfortunately with things like this you've got to you have to engage quite a bit for it to really see the payoff yes. with the students and if you engage it, with it then the students are going to engage with it and then it'll be good but sorry you're going to say oh no I was just saying like, and, and you're right there it needs to be a constant thing so so we've all well, in our school we've all got smart boards in our room and I, I imagine that's probably the same at most schools now or some form of projector or screen and I, I don't think we use those particularly well so if, but that's been okay because we've now pretty much we've got Classcraft on the screen at all times, <laughs> um, and the kids have the kids can have it on their mobile phones or their their iPads. So you know if they can see that their characters get hurt a bit too much, they can go over to um, you know the kid in the 
just next door and they're like oi can you just heal us up a bit because it's starting to I'm about to die and you know um, but that's so good that's, it, that's I mean that's a form of mentorship I guess that's seeking well, it, help it from really, somebody else yeah and it absolutely brings in a bit of because when your character dies it, it hurts the rest of the group mm. so it's, it's not punishing other people for the misdeeds of another but it really because it, it's never enough if, if you die from that you were already almost dead anyway <laughs> but, but it's enough to, to just sort of show that hey my actions are having that impact on other people and again, it's that really sort of explicit, clear reminder. But I'll tell you what, if it's not your thing, um, we started, and, and our back end of it is still an Excel spreadsheet where we give the kids points for everything they've done, we collect data about what tasks they've done, and we give them levels on that. That's still our back end. And it's, yeah. so you don't have to go into something like this. If, it's, if you're worried that the kids are all going to be like, oh, that's a, bit, that's a bit nonsense, sir, I'm not doing that. There's always the really straightforward end. And like, so my teaching partner, John, he, John Caddison, he, he doesn't have the same love for this sort of stuff that I do. And so with his seniors, he very much runs a, um, he very much runs a spreadsheet, a Google spreadsheet for him. Whereas with his juniors, he's right into the class craft as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I could see how that the you know the whole fantasy user interface and stuff like that could scare some people away, but um, mm. I, I really do recommend taking a look and at least have, having a little play with it and, and see what you think because those mechanics that are within it are gonna they're easy to implement within that platform if you try to pull them out individually and create standalone mechanics in your classroom and other ways it gets a little bit harder but that's it's all there and when you stack these game mechanics one upon each other it becomes even more powerful this aspect of gamification so absolutely give it a whirl i um i was super pumped to see that you uh you're right into or have spent some time working within a a genius hour type approach and i've got quite a few listeners who are who are kind of looking into it and kind of exploring it in certain ways, um, you look like you've done it really well. What was the key to your success implementing that? Because even myself, I tried and I had to pull the pin for a number of reasons. But tell us how you were so successful with that. Um, the, the key to my success, as always, is John Caddison, JF Caddo on Twitter. He's, um, uh, do, have you ever read the Cold of Pedagogy blog? No. They, they did this um, there's a, it's my favourite blog post I've ever read it's called or education like that whatever favourite blog post uh, it's called Find Your Marigold and, and marigolds are plants that you plant with other plants and they support them and, and grow um, find before you jump into anything like this try and find someone to do it with because other people are going to call what you're doing stupid and that way you've got someone that you can go back to your office with or their office with and you can go like, oh such and such is such an idiot or, you know what do they know and have that back that back and forth um, but for me, John is also the one that keeps me focused because I'm my ADHD kicks in and I can't help it. And I was like, "Cool, we've done this for three weeks. All right, let's try something different. Don't worry about it. We'll try a new thing." Um, and he sort of helps, and that's been the key. The key for us was sticking with it because the first round wasn't super great. It was good for some kids, but not perfect. It's never been perfect, and it's not going to be perfect. The second round, when we stuck with it, the kids knew what they were doing. They knew what the expectations were, and it just it worked a lot better what we found the second time so uh, what we found the second time was scaffolding 
we yeah we all read about genius hour and, and it's you know it's this, this time for the kids to do whatever they want it's their you know they're off to experiment and, and solve a problem or whatever what we found was that's very good but the kids needed a bit more guidance than we thought so we had three um three concepts as we were doing it over three terms uh we had the first concept was the past you know so so this is something that happened in the past, which is really good because the, you know, it had to be a non-Googleable question or whatever. But we figured they could look something up and, and build a model or build a thing and away we go. And some of the kids did really great at it. Uh, my favorite one was one group of kids built a game explaining how people thought they could treat the plague based on the game, explode, the card game Exploding Kittens. Nice. Um, yeah, that, that game, like I, I looked at that game did, was that amazing? As amazing as it looked? It, it is phenomenal. Um, if anyone goes to my blog, it's mrvanw.com, they can see what the first round did. And it was just, they, not, they're not professional quality, but they are so very, very close to professional yeah, quality. They, they look <laughs> it, they look it, mate. I'll, I'll, put, they, I'll, I'll add the links in the show notes and stuff like that. It was really cool, wasn't it? I, that, was, that one blew my mind. And you know what? I don't mind saying this. Those those aren't top kids. Like I mean, I think they're top kids. They're great kids, and I love them. But they're not top academic kids. Like they're fine, but they're not that top rung. And that's a. I mean, that's got to be the first time in a while that those kids have just gone, "Holy crap!" Mm. Like not only did I do something cool that I think's cool, everyone here saw what I did and was just like, "Well done! That's amazing!" Mm. So, um, yes, that was really cool. But there's also. So, yes, but we started scaffolding it. The first one we were like, okay, cool, here it is, go nuts, bang, off you go. And, you know, 10 weeks later, they were like, some of them were all right. The second one, we were like, okay, um, here's a bit more scaffolding. You've got to tell us what you're doing early. Okay, so make a decision. That's a hard part. Make a decision um, and then come back and we'll do it in next week. Sorry, in 10 weeks, whatever it is. But... We're presenting it in public. We're going to invite any teachers that want to come along with their classes or whatever. We'll do it in the school's hall. And anyone who wants to come can come and watch you guys present. And that, once that once it was a bit more public and not just for those, those two classes, they were like, oh, okay, this is serious. Let's give this a proper go. They have to be the accountable. Third, yeah, they're accountable. And the third time, the one that we've got going now, I think it's going better. Um, they, they won't present for another three weeks yet. No, uh, six weeks. I think it's going better. But what they've done is... Like in this last round, we had kids write songs and, and do all sorts of stuff, which is really cool. Kids who've never done that before. But this next one, the way I think that we've kind of, I hope, nailed it was we gave them a... We're like, okay, so here's the thing. It's about the future. You've got to solve something in the future or try to solve it. Um, and in three weeks, you have to have a proposal ready. And that proposal is going to be a presentation to your class and the other class where everyone else can give you a bit of feedback and, and help you out. And I think that has been the magic bullet, having that sort of proposal so that they can get feedback a bit earlier and also locked them into something, forced to make a decision early. I think, I think that's been the key. So yeah, just scaffold it a bit. Don't don't just go, oh, you get to do whatever you want because kids when you, and adults, 
when you give them that, you can do whatever you want. They just go, oh, well, now I have all the um, choices in the world. Oh, this is crippling and I feel nothing but anxiety. And that's sort of what happened. So, yeah, scaffold it. Yeah, you've given me a few good ideas. Um, where, where mine fell over was uh, I, I didn't scaffold. Oh, no, I tried to a little bit. I tried to a little bit, but I found that my students, and I had the perfect setup. I had a level three class. So year 13, they, I only had 10 kids in the class. Um, it was perfect. I, I, I thought it was going to be everything that it wasn't. But <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it kills me thinking about it. But what, what I found with these kids was they couldn't get away from a traditional learning environment they wanted to hear me tell them what to do they wanted to have tasks to do they couldn't just go away like I hoped um, yep. and, and it's not like it wasn't even like I was like okay you go do your genius hour and I'll sit here on my computer it wasn't even like that I was trying to engage with them I was trying to talk with them but I guess there was that scaffolding was a little amiss and um, there wasn't as much accountability like I guarantee if I'd said that okay um the level two classes are coming to your presentations and I've invited the principal and the senior managers and the HODs. If I'd said that, then there would have been stuff done and they would have been set up ready to go for the rest of the year, hopefully. Um, so yeah, some of that stuff I think, and I hope my audience who are thinking about Genius Hour are, are taking us on board because um, not only scaffolding and stuff like that, also it's different for, for every single class. Like your kids are all different. Um, Mm, you might walk into a class and say hey this is what we're doing and kids go boom sweet I'm out done dusted and they they pull off a a, a massive effort for the whole year Um, you might scaffold everything and hold their hands all the way through and achieve nothing it's just it's almost like the luck of the draw Um, but I think it's something really really worthwhile considering because um, you know get away from the the assessment driven focus that we have in secondary school just give them a chance to learn how to learn and do things that they're passionate about and if we could do this stuff when I was at school I guarantee um, I would have had a much richer experience and uh, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have been better at school that's for sure yeah, yeah. and that's um, I'm going to I'm going to give it another world but uh, I don't think I'm going to have the the environment that I had this year that could have been so great for me but mm. That's that's okay. So so level three, that's that's your top class, right? Yeah, that's last year of school. Yeah, our for us, our our top. So our classes are, are streamed. I won't go into how I feel about that. Um, but I won't tell you how I feel about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but our our top class, they hated it to start off with. Mm. Like they were the ones who like my. I've got a class who sort of middle to bottom and they were like yeah let's do this let's give this a bash <laughs> but but the top class are the ones that were going um can't we just look we've got tests in like eight weeks i'm like yeah you've got tests in eight weeks be cool so like, don't worry about it <laughs> so you're in you're in your eight the tests don't matter anyway and so yeah they were our top classes or our academic top classes not year top classes but our academic top classes were our biggest resistors yeah by a long shot yeah, I've, I'm in discussions with um, two other HODs who we might um, have a bit of a united front and put together something for some of our junior classes, which will be really interesting. And I think yep. will be, um, I, I think that will be really good. But 
I don't know, time will tell, and we'll see what um, what next year brings us. We are, we're getting along, and it's almost been an hour, so this last question coming up, um, you can only play one game on one gaming console or platform <sighs> for the rest of your life. What's your game of choice and why? This is the hardest question in the world. Now, so, okay, so, <laughs> is, is it a... Is it my current life situation now where I've got kids or am I on a desert island allowed to play whenever I want? Because those are different things. If I, I, th- if it's- I think you got to be, I think you have to be on a desert island because... Oh, sick. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, so, okay. So if it, if it isn't the desert island, it's my kids. It's, it's absolutely hockey. Like 100% or FIFA. One of those two because it's, it's like an in and out bang. Done. But for me, um, the perfect game is without a doubt Super Mario 2 on the NES no competition I don't know if I get the rest of my life on it but I feel as though I could like it's, it's, a, it's a beach I've got beaches it's a desert thing we're all good I'm fine I can come back but for me Mario is that perfect game it's, it's a simple it's, everyone knows what Mario is simple side scroller the, the mechanics are perfect you can you can stretch there's a bit of stretching out there's some choices to make but it's just perfect. I, I could play Mario till the day I die. Um, I also know that anyone who comes along, if anyone props on my island, I can throw them a controller. They can play Mario as well because it's simple and it's easy. But it's hard. It's got that mastery bit to it. It's um, I think Mario might be the perfect, I don't know, analogy for life and everything. I love Mario. Mario is the best. I, so I, yes, Mario. I just, I just think you've been a little bit linear in your choice there. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could handle that. Being on, it. if look, if if the desert island had um, uh, fiber access, internet, I, I'd have to, I'd have to go with some sort of online strategic multiplayer oh. game just I, I just the the side scrolling linear approach i can do it for you know it can keep me motivated for a week or two but then yeah perfect example one of the very first games i played was load runner do you know load runner i know i know load runner yep and i was fascinated by that game and as, as an eight or nine year old i i managed to get to the end of it and i just bought a new phone i thought sweet it's a it's an iphone plus so it's a bigger screen i thought sweet i'll download load runner and i'll be you know i'm gonna smash this and i got up to level Wait. seven and i went i died three times in a run i went oh, i'm gonna delete this and <laughs> that's it. i haven't gone back to it that's i i feel as though you changed not the game don't you <laughs> um if, if i need it if i need something that's a bit deeper to be honest if i didn't okay so me i love video games but my gaming thing, if I could, like I play a game every fortnight and that's Dungeons and Dragons. A bunch of teachers come around and we play Dungeons and Dragons in my back shed for hours. And we just, we drink heaps of beer. Um, it's usually Wednesday nights, so Thursday's a bit rough. But we just drink heaps of beer and we play Dungeons and Dragons and have the best time. The closest game experience I've ever had to that, although solo, not with that group, is... Fallout 3 or Fallout 4. Okay. That's if I wanted something big and expansive where I could just, you know, build my world. Maybe you're, maybe you're right. It's um, it's maybe it's Fallout Fallout 3. Fallout 3's got better better vaults than Fallout 4 does. But um, yeah, maybe that. I still think Mario could keep me on for a long okay. time. Okay. <laughs> hey Pete, I just want to thank you for um, 
taking the time out to have a yarn and a chat. Um, I think it's it's really clear that um, I, I think you're. I'm trying. I'm trying to put this in a in a way that doesn't insult you or go for it. Make, I, I'm a teacher. Me, I'm used to it. Make me sound a little bit arrogant because I'm I'm not trying to come across that at all. But like my my three things are. Well, my two things are flip learning and gamification, which you're like super passionate about. And then I tried to mm. do this whole um, passion project thing. And so I, you're like the science. We're like, I'm the PE version, you're the science version is what I'm trying to say. And we've done no, very I'm similar I'm, things. I'm all right with that. And I, and I you know, it, it just shows that you, you embrace innovative approaches and you're prepared to give it a whirl and it's it's really clear that you're doing it for the right reasons it's not all about you it's about your students but also about having a little bit of fun and making your classes interesting so i i i really do encourage um my listeners to check out some of your stuff go check out the play game that was created by your students um go check out classcraft um go and explore um your blog which has some fascinating stuff around your flipped approaches and stuff like that because you're doing wicked things and um we need more teachers doing wicked things so yeah really do appreciate you taking the time and um you've inspired me to do a few more things in 2018 so really do appreciate it mate no worries um thank, can i give like my podcast a little plug yeah yeah go for gold mate yeah sweet um if you if you enjoy my dulcet tones and while it's not as wonderful as the glorious glorious kiwi accent which <laughs> i never appreciated as much as i did until i went to new zealand Oh, so good. Anyway, um, yeah, you can hear me and my teaching buddy uh, chatting about your know, education, but usually nonsense as well. Um, uh, teachers talking teaching. He came up with the name. Um, look, it's a constant battle in my life. Um, so yeah, that's us. And thank you so much for having me on. I I really enjoyed it. And look, I'll be I'll be the science teacher version of you any day you want, mate. That's. <laughs> I'm, I'm neither that tall nor that beautiful and fit, so it's, uh, not it's, a drama. It's, it's not how it was supposed to come out, but it's, it's, <laughs> no, uh, I'll take right. it. It's... Um, you're, and you're you're in um, you're in Melbourne, are you? No, no, I mean um, I'm in rural New South Wales, a place called Orange, um, which sounds like it's gonna have this nice and lovely weather, but it's just it's oh, so cold. Like it was the only it was the only place I could imagine. Like when we went to Wellington. It was warmer than it, and drier than it was back home, so you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but see, now I'm really depressed because for some reason I thought you were in Melbourne, and I was like, man, next time I'm in Melbourne on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm hitting you up because I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, and... I, I tell you what, in all seriousness, we this, this probably can be off podcast. I don't care, or on whatever. Um, more PE teachers should play Dungeons and Dragons. We some usually we do it in the back basement, but sometimes we have to do it online because most of us have small kids. Okay. If we ever end up going back there, I'll give you a yell and right, you can right. jump on um, the Skype call. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Hey, appreciate the time. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate.